good morning, church. This is a day that the Lord has made, and we're going to rejoice and be glad in it. This is a time where we enter God's sanctuary with thanksgiving in our hearts, and we come into the court of God's Spirit with praise. It is good to be among you. Camille leaned over and said what I was already thinking, and that's the beginning of that video sounded an awful lot like Eye of the Tiger, and I was like, this is the right walk-up song. I feel good. Call in the pastor from the dugout. It's time to preach. It is Thanksgiving, an opportunity for us to give God good thanks that in the midst of our lives, in the midst of our stories, in the midst of our journey, we might know and see his work and abundance, to seek God in God's word and to know his place in our story. And so we come, and we're glad that you did. Uh, I want to invite you to join me in a time of prayer before we get started, just to center our lives. Holy One, we give you thanks for the gift of worship for preaching, for prayer, for song and your word, for the chance to be your people faithfully gathered in a time of fellowship and to be sent out and equipped to serve. Nurture us, O oh God, in this time that we might know a deeper sense of your providence for us and our gratitude for it. This we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, God's Abundant Harvest has not just been our fall series, it has also been our stewardship theme. Uh, many of you received stewardship letters from our staff with a note written from me uh, that talks about and outlines our hopes for 2024, uh, this vision of God providing for us in the midst of our time, blessing our growth, watering the seeds that we are planted in our faith. And one of the questions that came up last week was, Pastor, in the midst of all of this stewardship campaign, I haven't seen any charts or graphs. You haven't talked about numbers or the need. We've been together about a year and a half now, and I just want to say, church, I, I'm not all that motivated by the numbers. I'm very keenly aware of them, and we have a transparent budgeting and spending process, and if that's your excitement, you can sit down with me in my office, and I'll break it all down for you. What I can tell you is this. We started the year with a budget deficit. We anticipated our ministry needs for this year were going to outrun our capacity to give. And God has been faithful and true, and we've done exactly that. We have reserves that have helped us in that process. It is not as bad as we imagined. And so if you have the spirit of generosity upon your heart and you want to make a radical fourth quarter gift to just blow away that deficit, my heart and God's work is with you. But I truly believe that if we are just motivated by the dollars and the cents and seeing where we are, we miss the opportunities I've been trying to articulate throughout this season that giving's not just rooted in need and capacity, but it's a spiritual enterprise and a spiritual practice, not unlike growing the garden of faith. Because we talked about this sense that God's going to help us if we water where we want life to bloom. This young man's hoping that his peas or his carrots or whatever it is he's watering in faith are going to grow up and he can pull them up and enjoy them in some way. He probably has counted a little bit of cost or at least understands the process that he's got to invest the time and the energy to plant the seeds. But this moment for him is just an act of faith to bridge from the planting to the harvest. That watering is about where we desire growth. And in the midst of harvest, when it comes in abundance, particularly in this week of Thanksgiving, we confess and honor that we harvest where God calls forth bloom. We get the chance to benefit from God's blessing upon growth. We are here this morning in November of 2023 out of the generosity, the watering, and investment of all of those Methodists who've come before. 
Yes, in the life of Valencia United Methodist Church and their vision for being on this corner opposite the hospital and, and blessing this community from this place. But beyond that, the faithfulness of Methodists throughout history and Christians throughout history and a God who has been faithful throughout history, all of that is seasons of blooming and blooming and blossoming and harvest that brings us to this day. We are a part of that cycle. And our faithfulness and our stewardship for the coming year is an investment in what God will do in our future. Not because we are just deeply in love with what God has done in our past, but because we love what God will do with, in, and through us. Let's talk Thanksgiving. Friends, I am a student of history. I have on occasion in your midst gotten my historical facts wrong. I'm not a perfect historian, but I love history. I think it we can exegete our history, not unlike we do so with our scriptural passages. What does our history say to us? What can we learn from it? What are some blind spots or things we don't necessarily see about Thanksgiving or about our common history together? And I'm radically fascinated by the week that we have in front of us. Yes, it leans back into a heritage and a history. In 1621, 53 survivors from the Mayflower sat down with about 90 First Nation people, the Wapanoag tribe, who was here first. They shared gifts, the harvest from that fall season, what they had invested in and bloomed, they came and brought those gifts together. And that meal was an offering of thanksgiving. It was a part of a natural cycle of those people. They knew that they needed to gather in their fall resources because winter was coming and they needed to be able to weather the storms. And those people of that tribe helped them to do that, these early survivors in our country. The first Thanksgiving and the pageantry that I, you know, so many of us were a part of growing up and maybe you've seen in your own kids' and grandkids' lives too then, celebrating the idea that we would bring together gifts to thank God for them and to provide for one another in our midst. I don't know if you know this, but from 1621 to fast forward a couple hundred years, the recognition and celebration of Thanksgiving was intermittent at best. It was occasional. By the time Lincoln established Thanksgiving as a national holiday, in 1863, there were only two national holidays on the books. Think of how many bank holidays we have now. There were two. They celebrated George Washington's birthday and the 4th of July. Think of that. From 1776 to 1863, they only had two national holidays. Our history is important. The third to emerge was exactly this. But the simple truth is this Thanksgiving didn't just start in top hats and beards from tall presidents. It actually started in the heart and the mind of a fantastic woman by the name of Sarah. Sarah Josepha Hale. If you don't know the name Sarah Hale, you should, and you've been touched by her story. She was a poet. She was a feminist. She was an advocate. She was a fantastic author. She was the first female editor of any publication in the United States. She referred to herself as an editress, which I think is amazing. She did that for more than 45 years. Her work has touched your story. And you say, well, how can that be? Well, she's the one who penned the poem, Mary Had a Little Lamb. So if you've ever sung that or had that sung to you, or you know a little kid, you know Sarah Hale. But for 45 years, she had a heart for a national identity of thanksgiving. She wrote to every sitting president, from Taylor Fillmore, Pierce Buchanan, and finally Lincoln, and said, we need a national day of celebration to give God thanks. 
And for those first presidents who served administrations that saw national growth, yes, over a, a struggling and divided country, it wasn't until Lincoln in the midst of the Civil War that we adopted the idea of Thanksgiving as a people. And the proclamation that Lincoln writes in October of 1863 his proclamation for our National Day of Thanksgiving as we celebrate it now with turkey, stuffing, football, family. Talks about the brokenness of our country. Talks about the need that we have in the midst of struggle to recognize who God is in our midst. He says, in the midst of civil war of unequaled magnitude and severity, which has sometimes seemed to foreign states to invite and provoke their aggressions, we have preserved peace amongst the nations, and order has been maintained. For all of our military conflicts, laws have been respected and obeyed. And while we have a theater of war where we have lost lives, there has been wealth, strength from the fields, expansion of land. And while we lose lives, we are seeing strength and vigor walk hand in hand with that. And then he turns his eyes to God. He says, no human hath devised, nor hath any mortal hand worked out these great things. They're the gracious gifts of the Most High God, who while dealing with us in anger for our sins, hath nevertheless shown mercy. And so he says, it seems fitting that I solemnly call all American people, my fellow citizens in these United States, to a day of thanksgiving and praise to benefit our beneficent Father. He says this, that it ought to be an act of humble penitence humble penitence for our national perverseness and disobedience and to commend to god's tender care all those who become widows orphans mourners and sufferers in the lamentable civil strife in which we are unavoidably engaged and we fervently implore the interposition of the almighty hand to heal the wounds of the nation to restore it as soon as may be consistent with divine purposes to fulfill the enjoyment of peace, harmony, tranquility, and union. So sign the hand of President Abraham Lincoln. Our first Thanksgiving was born out of despair, was born out of struggle, was born out of deep conflict, was born out of a bloody battlefield, lost lives of American brothers and soldiers and sons. And in the midst of that turmoil, president called the country to lift their eyes and to see a world that was more than that there's a scriptural rootedness in that identity Lincoln didn't invent that idea it's biblical it's the invitation to witness to and to honor a god who's present in our story even when our story is not good or perfect to know that god has been present with us and god will be present again it's rooted in an ideology that comes from what we call the Old Testament, the Hebrew Scriptures. The book of Deuteronomy outlines the earliest thanksgiving, an offering of first fruits of tithes, one-tenth of the earliest gathering in of resources in the fall. This is how it plays out for the Israelite people. When you've entered the Lord, the land your God is giving you as an inheritance and have taken possession of it and settled in it, Take some of those first fruits of all that you produce from the soil of the land the Lord your God is giving you and put them in a basket with baskets of flowers, symbols, cornucopias of hope and possibility. Then go to the place where the Lord your God will choose as a dwelling for his name. 
then, carrying that basket, you shall declare before the Lord your God, my father was a wandering Aramean, and he went down into Egypt with a few people and lived there and became a great nation, powerful and numerous, but the Egyptians mistreated us, made us suffer, subjecting us to harsh labor. And then we cried out to the Lord the God of our ancestors. And the Lord heard our voice, saw our misery, toil, and oppression. So the Lord brought us out of Egypt with a mighty hand and outstretched arm with great terror and signs of wonder. He brought us to this place, gave us this land, a land flowing with milk and honey. And now I bring you the first fruits of the soil that you, O Lord, have given me. Place that basket before the Lord your God and bow down before him. Then you and the Levites and the foreigners, those who reside among you, shall rejoice in all the good things the Lord your God has given to you and your household. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. My father was a wandering Aramean. I come from an ancestry of desert wanderers. When it comes to offering thanksgiving and tithes and first fruits to the Israelite people, the story that they tell is not their own as individuals. It's not a way of saying, my name is Andy and I grew up in many homes and yet I find myself in Valencia and I am blessed for that, so here is my gift. No, rather, they reach to the way back. Father Abraham had many sons, and I am one of them. God called Abram from a distant land and brought him here to this land. His grandson Israel had 13 sons, 12 became tribes, and one became a deliverer in a time of famine. My ancestor Joseph brought strength to the Egyptian people and drew there the Israelite people. And out of that heritage and history, we grew strong, and yet we became oppressed. We suffered, and we cried out. And in the midst of our crying, God heard us and brought us up with a mighty hand and delivered us to this place and this time. It doesn't start with a singular focus of who I am and where I've been. It's the big picture. My father was a wandering Aramean. For them, their gifts, their first fruit, whatever they be, that thing that they gather in, that they can collect in a basket and give to God, is not a response to stimulus. It doesn't say, I know right now I have to do this. Or I have the capacity to right this moment. They take what they have and offer their fruits and their first of it because they know their identity and their history. My ancestor was a wandering Aramean. Knowing your history and identity is essential to being able to offer thanksgiving. Knowing that who you are in any moment is not just the function of what you have done that day, that hour, that moment. Nor are you the sum of any failings or shortcomings or misgivings in that moment either. The human condition is rich and it is complex and it is intersecting with others who share story, who break bread and who live life with you when you know your history and your identity. How you have come to this moment and that what you have has been a blessing not just from what your hands have prepared but indeed the whole cycle of human existence. 
becomes easy to see God's heart. You got to know who you are. But more than that, you got to know who your God is. To believe and confess a God who heard cries. Maybe your offering is not given in a season of suffering and despair. You are not crying today, but you honor that God has heard the cries of the history of our people, that God has stood up for those who are suffering and those who are cast aside. There is a God who has heard cries in our past. And that defines where we are in our present moment. And a God who has been at work in our past and who meets us in our present will surely wait for us and bless us in our future. It's a powerful confession to say who I am and how I practice generosity isn't rooted in an idea that I'm at my best when I do it right now. But it honors a God who is enough, who is sufficient, who has delivered us. When we talk about this theme of harvest, The idea at play is of a God who provides. The image is of a God who collects that which is good and right and true and offers it to you and to me. As Methodists, we talk about that as a gift of grace. It is a grace that pours out over all and helps us to know, yes, a need for forgiveness, but also blesses us. And when we don't see the provision in the moment, because we are distracted by all of the noise that life provides, can we still cling to an idea that the harvest is at work because my God is a provider? That's the trick. That's the trick. Because when we find ourselves in a time of need, when we need to be the one who cries out to the God of our ancestors, we have to trust that a God has heard them before and will hear me today. That's the hope. So Valencia United Methodist Church, we ask the question, who we are in the midst of this dynamic, this God's harvest piece. I've been leaning into a, a singular verse throughout this series that reminds me of who I have learned you all to be in this time. It's one simple verse from Pastor Paul, the Apostle Paul, in the letter to the Galatians chapter 6, and it reads in this way, let us not become weary in doing good. For at the proper time, we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Friends, let us not become weary in doing good. For at the proper time, we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. It is so easy to quit on being good, and yet the people of Valencia United Methodist Church are tirelessly here for good. It's who we're called and equipped to be. Not just on the signage that we carry out into the world, but it is what we are meant to do. Not to quit on the work of being good because there is a harvest if we don't give up. It's a reminder to the world not to quit on itself. That in times of brokenness, in times of despair, in times of war and struggle, in times of deep uh, racism, anti-Semitism, misogyny, to say don't give up. Never tire out from trying and doing that which is good. Because when we do, there's a harvest for which we can give thanks. Friends, I'm deeply in love with this week. I'll be praying for you. Some of you, like the Maddox, will travel to see family. We're going to be in Vegas for a couple of days. I will not be driving an F1 car lest you worry. 
going to see my dad and family as we gather together there to consider what God has done for us in this last year, places where we can continue to strive to be tirelessly doing God's good work as a family and as a people. I'll pray for your safe travels as you go. Pray for your abundant return in our transition to the life of Advent. As we consider what God is doing in the harvest of this place, I'm really left with a simple sentiment, and that's on behalf of the Maddox family to your families, I wish you a happy Thanksgiving. But more than that, it's important for you to know my deep, deep gratitude for each of you. That you all are the kind of people that I get to be proud to serve because of the ways in which you are doing good work for God's abundant harvest, where you are gathering in love, life, hope, and possibility at a time and a season where not everybody feels that that is commendable or the right thing to do. That in seasons of division and divisiveness, you are a people who are invested in a future where your children become God's children and we can do the good work of being here for good together. So happy Thanksgiving and blessings on you all. Let's pray.